Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Jenny. And this is Have You Heard Of. It's the podcast where two best friends finally hold each other accountable for all of those pop culture recommendations we keep giving each other. This week it's my pick, and so we are talking about the 2015, according to Wikipedia, neo-western, The Longest Ride. Oh. What is it? I've never heard of the neo-western genre, but I'm into it. I guess it's just new western. Oh, okay. Okay, that makes sense. Um, but before we get into that, I'm going to do a spotlight swap real quick. And this one is going to be kind of a quick one because I don't want to talk too much about it because spoilers. But right now, what's on my <laughs> mind constantly is WandaVision. <laughs> and for many reasons. One, it is very intriguing to me. And two, it has been... I don't, actually, I don't even remember the last time I've watched something that comes out weekly since, like, when I used to watch Riverdale, like, years ago. So, the fact of, like, having to wait is all of a sudden, like, a luxury in a way. It's exciting. And then it also, is such a good argument for weekly view. It's appointment viewing. It's like, everyone's talking about it every Friday. Yes. yes. And I, like, get up early so I can watch it before I get to work so that if I'm on my phone during my breaks I don't get spoiled and also when I get home me Emma and our other friend will we usually um like video call each other on Fridays and so we want to talk about it so I was like we I gotta watch it all beforehand so it's very exciting and kind of on that topic is that I'm excited that we get to talk about something that we enjoy together and like, me and Emma had this conversation when all of a sudden all the Marvel, like, trailers dropped a couple months ago. And we were like, we forgot about Marvel. Oh my god, this is our, like, joining thing. I know, instead of all three of us, which is usually, like, every Friday, it's, like, PowerPoint parties minus the PowerPoint where we just <laughs> rotate between, okay, now it's my turn to talk. And this time it was like, oh, I forgot we actually do all enjoy some of the same things. Yes, yes. So it's very exciting to just discuss and talk and come up with theories. And I get excited every Friday when I get to watch WandaVision because it is so unique and the costumes and the set design always is changing. So that's exciting. And we have two more episodes from when we're recording right now. There's two more episodes left. And things are popping off right now, so it's very exciting. So, if you haven't seen WandaVision, I highly recommend it. Um, even if you haven't seen all the other Marvel films, like other Marvel films, you get way more out of it if you have seen all of them and you'll understand stuff. But I feel like even if you haven't, it's just an interesting way that this is being filmed. Like, an interesting... I feel like this is the strongest property in a while that Marvel has had that you can go into cold because Wanda and Vision are two characters who, despite appearing in multiple movies, appear in about 18 minutes of screen time across all of those other movies. <laughs> yeah. So, like, you really don't, you can go in cold because they don't know what's happening. So you don't yes. need to either. Exactly. Like, there's, like, some, like, big points that you may want to know, but they kind of cover that in the show anyway, so it's mm -hmm. fine. Um, but anywho, I just wanted everyone who is listening if you haven't seen WandaVision yet please do it is a hoot and it's fun <laughs> and I like it um I have no transition prepared for today Love. so speaking of things we like <laughs> yeah 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 um that was bad um we're talking about the movie The Longest Ride I have not heard about this movie in the slightest did not even realize until the end of the movie when the name Nicholas Sparks showed up that this was a Nicholas Sparks film <laughs> I know it's probably in the beginning, but I didn't see it. Um, I only knew from the very brief descriptions of what Emma has told me and also my knowledge of what Emma is into right now. It has something to do with country. <laughs> but besides that... I feel like this is what kick-started, honestly. Yeah. I was like, this definitely shifted my... just changed my brain chemistry in 2015 <laughs> when I watched it. Well, having a bubble bath. Excellent first viewing, watching this film in a bubble yes, bath. Yes, that sounds delightful. Um, yeah, I... I know that... Um, like, I knew it was, like, a romance film because originally you wanted to do this during February. We originally were going to do February romance films, but then scheduling happened, and then we're like, no. <laughs> so, it's March now. Psych. <laughs> But no, I had no idea about this. Love movie. is for all times of year. Um, yeah, this is <laughs> this is the first time I've watched this movie in prepping for this episode. That I was, this sounds so bad. I promise it's not. That I was not under emotional distress. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. This is like a movie I watch whenever I am feeling really sad. Mm. Um, and so I 
And then it had been a couple years since I watched it. And then in November, I watched it again. And I was like, just kidding. I feel no shame about loving this movie. This movie kicks ass. This movie rocks. This is a perfect film. And so I was really excited to bring it to you today. Yes, yes. I'm very excited to discuss it. I was telling Emma before recording that a lot of my notes are just me, like, it was like a commentary on the film. It wasn't really, like, notes about it. It was more of me being like, ah, ooh, how dare you? What? Like, those are my notes. (laughs) So I don't... Scandalous. (laughs) Um, yeah, this movie, I really, uh, didn't also, I also didn't know what it was about at all. I'm also not a Nicholas Sparks fan. I have seen The Notebook once in theaters, which was a strange time because I would have been like, what, nine or ten? I've seen The Notebook. I've seen A Walk to Remember. I do enjoy A Walk to Remember. I don't think I've seen any other Nicholas Sparks movies. I haven't read any of his books. Was there one that had, like, Miley Cyrus in it? Yes, and a Hemsworth. Um, the Hemsworth that she was married to. Liam, there we go. Had to talk that one out. Um, and it's called The Last Song. And there was also one with Zac Efron and Piper from Orange is the New Black. I could go on. I actually spent a lot of time on, like, the various Wikipedia pages for these movies for reasons that I will explain at a later time. Um, yeah, so I don't really have an attachment to Nicholas Sparks as it is, but I am... Not, no, not embarrassingly. I don't know anything about his personal life, so he is secretly, or not so secretly, a jerk. Don't at me. Don't fact check me. You can't at me. I'm not on social media. Um, but I really like Scott Eastwood. I think I was put on this earth to be one of two Scott Eastwood fans. I think he's actually a good actor. Wait, is that who Luke Hollis is? Yeah, that's Scott Eastwood. Um, known for being Clint Eastwood's son, which very funnily to me, Clint Eastwood apparently denied for a really long time, Sir Genetics. Um, and then also he is the love interest in the Wildest Dreams video for Taylor Swift. And I have made it my mission to actually watch the filmographies of all of Taylor Swift's video counterparts. That all makes sense. Um, which is why I've also seen too many Lucas Tilt things. Um, yeah, so I... And I was, as I said, the first time I watched it, I was in a terrible mood and it had just come out and I was like, okay, I'm going to have a bath. I'm going to watch The Longest Ride. And honestly, no regrets, but I had no idea about the subplot of this film. Yes. Which I really, really love. I personally like the subplot way better than the main plot, probably. This is the, this is what I like, is that I love that the main plot is actually pretty boring. <laughs> They're just two 22-year-olds who are having a nice yeah. time. And I love it. Like, it just, I can, I feel like it makes them more realistic. Mm. Even though, like, insane things do happen to them. I'm like, these are just two normal 22-year-olds who happen to fall into this epic love story that's not even theirs. Yeah. Um, and also kind of makes you realize but, that, like, okay. when things are happening, there's, like, a certain level of, like, romance and excitement. But then the memories and looking back at it is, like, can be way more cinematic and exciting because you're like you're looking back at memories right and so yeah Yeah, it's about like finding someone you want to build a life with and make a story with even if it's just a story about two regular people so before we get into the plot Mm. um this movie was directed by george tillman jr which i feel like this movie is definitely an outlier for him most recently he also directed the hate you give which is very cool um it was a very good movie um anyways he doesn't do a lot of romances so this is like okay cool good for him i hope he had a fun time working on this um i also had a little fun fact about the screenwriter for it actually though whose name is craig bolletin uh and he on his imdb page has very few credits i think he's written like six movies i mean that's still still, he still did six movies but yeah but that's like since like the early 80s oh okay that's a lot over many years but what he also does is apparently he does a lot of uncredited script rewrites so he's well known for being a script doctor and the very first script he ever doctored um was for desperately seeking susan oh Whoa, my voice went up really so, high, sorry. Oh. This guy, I guess, this this man named Craig really understands what I'm all about. <laughs> um, which is really fun. And starring Britt Robertson, Scott Eastwood, Alan Alda. This movie, my one other note about the production standpoint, which I, I feel like I make this point a lot, and so I guess it isn't really a like, criticism or comment in the movie specifically, so much as it is an indication about the film industry as a mm. whole. This movie is weirdly old Hollywood nepotism, the film. What do you mean? Because um, you've got Scott Eastwood, who is Clint Eastwood's son. Um, Una Chaplin, who plays young Ruth, is Charlie Chaplin's granddaughter. Oh. Jack Houston, who plays young Ira, is 
John Huston, who was a famous old Hollywood director's uh, grandson. Um, I mean, Alan Alda is just, I guess not old Hollywood. Alan Alda is just like a Hollywood staple and I love him. Um, but I do think it's funny that this movie has, for like a Nicholas Sparks movie, has a weird amount of Hollywood pedigree attached to it. But I think like um, a lot of times to even get into Hollywood, it's the connections and people you know. So when people have famous parents or relatives or siblings, like it makes sense. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So I was going to say like, I, I do have a list of people uh, who are nepotism, but it's okay. <laughs> Um, like Laura Dern is on that list and I would I don't know if any of these people are on that list I do enjoy them I'm pretty confident they would not be working with the regularity they are if they were not related to someone famous I do really love Una Chaplin she's in an amazing BBC TV show called The Hour from 2013 that uh, haunts me every day of my life because it ended on a huge cliffhanger and then was cancelled and I uh, (laughs) I know it's honestly I would say like top three television betrayals is that show being canceled like devastated she's great in it and so i was really happy to see her in this anyways the plot of the film is uh senior college student sophia dunkel her last name's not dunkel i came up with that danko (laughs) sophia danko um Uh, is studying art history, uh, has an internship as a gallery assistant. She's going to be moving to the big city, moving to New York when she graduates in two months. And then she falls in love with Luke Collins, a young, upcoming bull rider. Thoughts on bull riding okay. as a sport? So, <laughs> out of, like, the entire movie, the biggest hurdle for me was the bull riding. For a very big reason is... I hate bull riding so much. I, when I was younger, I went to a rodeo once and was completely petrified. And, like, it was around the time when I started to, like, become, like, a vegetarian and all that stuff. And I was, like, I had a visceral feeling watching any time there's bull riding. I had to look away for the majority of all the bull riding scenes. I, like, I, I, and I get it. It's a sport. Like, I don't understand, like, and if you're enjoying it, that's great. But, like, I personally... The bulls look like they're in such distress, and it's also... It's such a distressing sport. Like, I know, like you're saying, it's it obviously takes a ton of stamina, of yeah. concentration, of physical strength. Sport. I just don't know why it's necessary. The whole movie, he's talking about wanting to be the world champion, and I was like, does it count as a world champion when America and Canada, like, when North America are probably the only people who do this sport? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I just... It's so distressing to me, and, like... But I can tell that, like, you have to be very strong and they're skilled towards it. And if there's, like, a mechanical bull, I'm like, hell yeah! See how long you can do that. That's great. But if it's, like, an actual, like, animal, then... You know how I feel about mechanical bulls. <laughs> if it's an actual animal, then I'm like, no, they, this is not fun anymore. <laughs> oh, I did forget to mention one really impressive credit in the movie. Um, which is Rango the bull playing himself. Oh. Rango is a real, a real bull rat. Bull. Really? Oh. Rango's, yes. Yeah, so Luke's bull nemesis is it was, he sadly passed away. Oh, sorry for laughing at that. Oh my God. Uh, Rango the bull as himself. Oh wow. Which I thought was really impressive. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, that was probably... Like, that was the hardest thing for me to get over. Not even get over, just, like, to watch or get through was that. Um, even though, like, it's a joy, I, I always enjoy seeing people passionately talk about stuff that they're into or that they do. Um, so I'm not bashing Luke or anything, but I'm like, I personally, uh, nope, nope. <laughs> I th- you also just, though, hit on what I think is my favorite part about this movie and about my real-life relationships is that, so... Sophia and Luke are from very different worlds. Um, And they don't understand each other's interests, (laughs) but they just love watching the other person talk about it. Like, he talks about bull riding, and her eyes are just like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, tell me more. And he starts, she starts talking about art, and he's like, I actually hate this, but you love it, so please keep talking about it and explain it to me. That's like... With the one exception of a very messy gallery scene, but like, he is just like, so happy to hear her talk about it, and takes it, knows she takes it seriously, and like, their, their energy is so good, and that they're just like okay, tell me more, which is, we mentioned before, like, just one of my favorite things. Like, you have to love each other and like each other. I mean, other. like, 
speaking of like just let like listening to people talk about things they like like this is the whole reason for the podcast exactly <laughs> like i just love hearing you talk about things that you love and i'm like yeah i can listen to you talk i do i care about some of the things hell no but when i listen to you hell yeah because i'm excited and there's just nothing more intriguing or infectious than someone talking passionately about something that they're passionate about or that they're interested in. And like, I do that for my job sometime when I talk to people at my workplace and like share it with communities. And I just love doing that. Cause I'm like listening to people who just are so passionate and love what they do, they're doing. And I want them to know that what they're saying is interesting and that they're valid and that um, I want to know more and that, there's nothing to be embarrassed about or nothing to be sh- like shy or coy or, oh, no one will be interested in this. Like, no, tell me about it because it matters to you. So it matters to me. <laughs> ah. And they go like in that, not even just in the main story. It's only in the subplot as well of Ruth and Ira when it's like Ruth just loves art so much. And he's just like, yeah, we'll go do these things. And he, he says it at the end. She had a great eye for art. I only had eyes for her. Oh. And it's just. so yeah so the framing so luke and sophia really are more of a framing device and i definitely am invested in their Mm. relationship um but basically they they meet at a not a rodeo uh sophia's friend Marsha, played by melissa benoist aka supergirl uh who's sorry melissa benoist gets dumped pretty early on in the film when sophia is like sorry Marsha, my sorority sister this 90 year old man is my best friend now yeah yeah um but, but during those scenes, uh, when they were, like, in the beginning, at first it was like, okay, it's country, okay, yeah, I get it. And then all of a sudden they had, like, a cold beer. I was like, oh, my God, I want a cold beer right now. Like, I, I usually, like, the Super Bowl has recently happened, and usually I'd, like, go to a bar or something and, like, watch Super Bowl with friends. What, I'm the only one who's into it, but I drag everyone along with me and, like, get beers, and it's the whole day, but, like obviously not this year so i saw that i was like oh man i want to go out and have a cold beer with some friends (laughs) i know like i don't think i could handle watching bull riding in real life either but i know i am someone who is very easily influenced by like crowd energy (laughs) so i know that if i had gone to this event i would have been really i've seen you in a basketball game I get hype. Like, I I need the energy of the crowd, but I'll be like, I don't know what's <laughs> happening, but I will cheer very yes, loudly. Yes. Um, so, like, oh, God, I really want to go to, like, the Calgary Stampede one year or mm. something. Um, yeah, and so they meet and flirt a little bit, and he calls her, which I was like, oh, bold move. <laughs> he just straight up calls her, no, hey, how are you, text. Yeah. Um <laughs> As Jenny said, she was like, all I know about this film is Emma's recent interest when he shows up. So Luke shows up on her campus at her sorority house and his like yeah. big belt buckle and his boots and his cowboy hat. And I really identified with when they leave all the sorority girls just <laughs> banging on the window and losing their I like minds. always forget that like cowboy hats are like an actual thing. Because like as someone who lives on like the West Coast and like not in any country at all, like... Well, not you know what I mean. Like in the country, I live in the country. I live in Canada, but you know what I mean. Um, like mm-hmm. people wear cowboy hats as like a statement or as like a fashion thing, or ironically, but like I've never seen. I forget that it's like an actual function, and that's just like what people wear. So I was like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. it's a thing. Hell yeah, a, you have to put it on properly. You have to respect the hat. Yeah. Um. And they have a really nice first date, which, like, going back to my earlier comment of them being boring, like, I think also something that speaks to how much, I guess, they are into each other is their flirting is terrible. They're both so awkward and making really bad jokes, but it, which, again, makes me like them more of, like, wow, you're both stupid. I think with great affection, like, in the way that all human beings are stupid and awkward when they like someone. But even, like, their first date was, like, kind of perfect, though, that they, like, went and had a picnic. I know, he takes her to a campfire. Oh, I know, I wrote down, I was like, I want to hold someone's hand by a campfire. That sounds nice. I know, and he's just like, wow, what color is your nail polish? Clear. That's, that's funny. I was like, oh my god. Take me away. Take me away, Luke Collins. What do they call this, uh, this nail polish color? This would be clear. Clear? (laughs) Yeah. Right. Clear. That makes sense. Looks good. You are pretty smooth for a country boy. 
Yeah, so they just have like a really nice first date and they're really into each other. And then she's like, oh, by the way, I'm moving in two months. Dun, dun, and they're, they're kind of dashed because he's, he's old fashioned and he takes things really seriously. Um, and so they're having an awkward drive back when suddenly shit escalates so quickly. I just wrote down like, damn, that happened. Wait, what? Like, it was jarring. All of a sudden they like see, you don't even see it. You just all of a sudden see Luke being like, did you see that? And she's like, what? And he like backs up and then there's just a car on fire. <laughs> oh my God. How'd you miss that, Sophia? <laughs> Dear Lord. <sighs> um, and they rescue Alan Alda, aka Ira Levinson. Um, a noctogenarian, not nonagenarian, nonagenarian, a 91 year old man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> From his burning car, Luke pulls him out and then Sophia manages to grab a box that from the front seat mm. as well. And they take him to the hospital and have an awkward parting where Sophia decides to stay with Ira in the hospital. And thus begins a beautiful friendship. And the box that she saved, she re- she opens it and it's just a box full of letters, which damn, you know how much I love letters and mail. I was like, hell yeah. These letters are also so funny. I'm like, these aren't letters. This is a journal entry, yeah, Ira. Yeah. They're very oddly formatted letters, but I don't care because it's all for exposition. Exactly, exactly. Part of me thinks it's like a letter and then like it's one thing and then the flashbacks are like him explaining it. So I don't think it's mm-hmm. all in the letter, but I could be wrong. I know. I feel like also they're letters that he wrote to her later in life when he's like, remember when we did this, yes. which is very sweet. Yeah, and I think the reason why I probably like the flashback subplot is there's just something about romance in, like, set in, like, olden times that's just so much more pure in a way. Like, it's so... It hits. Especially when, like, they're together for a very long time and... I wrote down, there's nothing cuter than a boy who is smitten. And Ira is just so smitten for Ruth. Um, Immediately. And it's so... Oh, sorry. I didn't really explain it really well. So we go flashback of him writing letters to his wife. And so we go flashback. About how they first met and yeah. fell in love. And um, they're both Jewish. And she he was he's born in the States. And she's recently moved with her family from Vienna. Mm-hmm. Um, because World War II is about to begin. I know. I wrote down, damn war. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Salient commentary. Damn, damn war. Damn war. Um, and this, yeah, I love Una Chaplin. She's such a great actress. She's so luminescent yeah effervescent i just love her uh young ruth um and i feel i feel like nicholas sparks really loves a double timeline like he loves doing flashback stories Mm. in parallel with a modern day story um but ruth and ira ira are really it for me in terms of this movie like it was i had no idea this subplot existed when i watched it for the first time and it was so exciting that's why i was like whoa what just happened also there was a fire i was like damn like whoa that this is not what i thought this movie was going to be about because within like the first 20 minutes or so like luke and sophia meet they go on a date and they're like oh i'm leaving they're like oh that sucks and I was like, well, that's the whole movie. I was like, where are they going to go from here? I was like, oh, they're going completely different places. <laughs> yeah, so you have Luke and Sophia's plotline, which is she's going to New York and this is hanging over their heads. He also had a very well-staged, like, he had a really serious accident riding this bull named Rango where he was in a coma for 10 days and they show footage of it. And I know it's fake and I was still like, no. oh, God. Um... And so he hasn't told her the extent of his injuries, but his doctor and his mother are advising him to quit riding, but he doesn't want to quit riding because he's worried about supporting his mom and their cattle ranch. Love a boy who loves his mom. But also... I am a simple girl with simple needs. But also you find out that, like, he's just also using that as an excuse. Like, he's actually doing... To keep riding. Yeah. Because that's the thing, that the mom in the end, when he's like, I'm doing this for you, and she's like, do you really think I care about this ranch? Like, this, you're doing this for yourself. And then he's like, oh, shit. Yeah, because sometimes you have that crutch of, like, um, I'm doing it for someone else. You just keep giving that as an excuse and a reason, and eventually that reason fades away, or that reason's not there anymore, or it's just clouded over, and then you're like, ah, shit. <laughs> it's just me. <laughs> Who knew the thematic similarities between this and Pixar's Soul 2020? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, his mom, as his mom says, insert audio clip here, uh... That ride is eight seconds. That girl could be the rest of yes. your life. And I was like, mom, his mom is the queen of guilt trips. Yes. You're doing this for yourself. Mm. 
It's eight seconds. That's all it is. That girl could be the rest of your life. Yes, and so you have Sophia and Luke decide they're going to give it a shot. They're going to make it work, um, despite their impending timeline. But then it's also shadowed with Sophia and Ira becoming really good friends, and him... Alan Alda just plays this with such a twinkle in his eye. He's such a mischievous old man. Yeah, classic. Um, and he just, like, teases out the love story of him and Ruth in comparison to the dramas that Luke and Sophia are experiencing. They also give, from a set deck, or I guess costume perspective, Alan Alda the weirdest head bandages in this film. Because they have to be like, oh yeah, he was in a car accident. So, like, the one scene he just showed him has a huge band-aid on the middle of his forehead. I was like, why is that there? I don't need to see this. Yeah. It just looks strange. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so the Ruth... Do you want to talk about just a little bit about the Ruth Ira yeah. following, and then we can go back to Luke and Sophia? It's, yeah, so Ruth and Ira's love story is very similar to kind of Luke's and Sophia's of how, like, they they have different interests, but, like, they just like each other. And um, so Ruth and Ira get together like he kind of like courts her in a way and then like they get together well she courts him because he's too shy and it's so cute (laughs) thank you and so they get together and um a big plot of this story is that she really wants to have a big family and he wants that too Like, which is, I was like oh this is a nice discussion to see a couple having being like this is what I want do you want the same thing yes and it's just nice to see, which is also a lesson that Luke and Sophia could really learn. Yeah, I mean, c- talk about communicate. <laughs> Who would have thought? Um, <laughs> and and then the war happens, and then it's shitty because he gets um, shot, and then gets an infection that causes him not to be able to have kids. And it is an interesting thing to see on screen of this push and pull and think like you can see the characters thinking without them speaking like what's going on in their head of like Ruth really wants a family but she loves Ira and Ira can't provide a family and it's and that, yeah adoption everything also is a thing during this time but it's so much harder back then than it is today it is still super hard today as well and you can see like Jenny said you can see them like constantly renegotiating their priorities so originally like he's he he tries to just cut her out and she's like what are you doing and he explains and she's like, okay i'd rather have a happy life i know i'll have with you than the potential of a happy life with someone else and kids like i'd rather take what i have in my hands right now which is very nice and then as years go on it's renegotiating of like wait actually i don't know if this is going to be enough yeah. for me and it is just this push and pull of them learning to work together and constantly communicate. It's not about one conversation. It's about a lot of conversations that never really stops. And not everything is going to be a perfect day. And you see them, like Ruth becomes a teacher. So she gets to spend time with kids, but then also that's also slowly torturing herself from like seeing families together. And then there's a child that they, um, Daniel. Daniel, that they start tutoring and who is not being taken care of at home. And, but they can't adopt him because he's being, un- he's in the eyes of the law, is under the supervision of these other people who aren't keeping care of them at all. And the, it's, it's so interesting to see, like, the things that they, like, their development of their romance of... Like, they buy so much art because Ruth loves art. So, like, they can't have a kid, but she'll buy other things that she loves and enjoys that she can look at. And that brings her joy, even though the joy of being a mom is what she wants, but she can't have. So she'll Mm -hmm. have external joys of art and experience of those things and teaching kids. And Mm -hmm. then it comes all together and she's like, I can't do this anymore. And then she leaves. And it doesn't really say how long she left for. It's probably a couple of days. And then the classic... Like, I can live with you, but I, I like, what, what is that saying? It's like, I, I can't live with you, but I can't live without yeah, you. Yeah, it's, it's like, I didn't realize how much I loved you until I was, like, until I wasn't with you type thing. And mm-hmm. then they end up, like, being together forever. And it's, you just see, like, the love that they have for each other. And, like, when Ira, like, lets Ruth go, when he's, like, 
I love you so much and I can't provide you what you need, but I'd rather see you happy than with me. And I'm like, oh God. <laughs> it's such a good scene. And like Jack Houston and Una Chaplin are so great. And it is like, it's this big speech of she's getting ready to leave. And he says, I just want to say one thing. And you can tell she's like, I don't want you to try to convince me because if he does try to convince her, she'll stay, but she needs to leave to just figure, like get herself sorted. Yeah. And then his speech isn't stay. It's I love you so much. I just want you to be happy. Also a staple of Una Chaplin's characters in the hour. There's like a huge monologue in the, what ended up being the series finale when her, her husband character is like, I'm so, yeah, I just want you to be happy. I just want you to have everything you want. I'm like, love Marnie so much on the hour. Um, yeah. And that's also, I learned a little bit about Black Mountain College when I was in university. Certainly have retained none of that information. Is it in real? Beyond the name. It's a real oh. thing of like a real artist's like, collective in North Carolina. Nick Sparks is from North Carolina, so I feel like all of his books Uh. take place there or around there. Um, And so it is just about, like, I like the thing, too, of, like, Ruth is very... She just loves art, but she loves new art. So they are able to build... Even though, like, I don't even know what Irish job is. Oh, he owns, like, a tailor shop Mm. or something. Um, And she's a teacher, but they're able to build up this hugely valuable art collection because she has such a good eye for getting an artist when they're, like just starting yeah. out which i just love that she is so skilled and he again is just like whatever you want babe. yeah like yeah uh-huh mm-hmm, here you go i love you so much sweetie. <laughs> and there's also um that Ch- daniel that they were keeping care of like later on um the like they said they never saw him again and then the wife of him of the wife of Daniel's, like, years, years later, is, like, he passed away. After Ruth has After Ruth has passed. And I didn't write down exactly what the note said, but all I know is that I cried. But I don't remember exactly what it said. Oh, I actually... Hold on. I have it up here. I have it up. Um, yes. So, I love the way this movie really, like, perfect volley spike sets things up so neatly. Yeah. Um, so, you have, like, Ruth passes, like, in her 80s. And then this woman shows up on Ira's door and gives him this painting, including a picture of Ruth and Ira. Um, And the note says, uh, Ruth Levinson, my third grade teacher, she told me I could be anything I wanted to be when I grew up. Oh. Oh, no. My little teacher heart. And he became a professor of astrophysics because, like, they had a telescope and made him love the stars, and he became a teacher like Ruth. But more importantly is that he also loved art and in his free time became a painter, which I also just loved of, like... He was just a guy who had a hobby who he really loved. Those it's like they they influenced every aspect of his life, and like you see how much him and his he is also now passed away of a, an aneurysm, but you see like his wife speaks so fondly of him. So it's like you see Ruth and Ira were so important to him in every yeah. way in terms of like modeling a strong marriage, of pursuing your passions even if it wasn't your career, of pursuing a career that would fulfill you, of building a life for yeah. yourself. And so he paints this, and so she get the Daniel's widow gives Ira a portrait of Ruth, and it's like so cute it's so cute it's so nice well it's just like um that recognition of that you've made a difference in someone's life and like ruth really wanted to have children and to um provide for the world in that way of being a mother and caring for the next generation and like she still was able to do that as a teacher and as someone who cared for kids and she was able to like inspire someone and even though she couldn't see that Ira was like okay like she did have this impact on this child like a mother and I think like it also shows Ruth's impact on Ira in that even even as a 90 year old he's just adopting these stray children he's like sorry Luke and Sophia I'm raising you now I'm your grandpa now and it's just really sweet to see Ira really take this young woman under his wing and find out like Sophia is an art student and wants to pursue like being a curator and so really just connects with her on that level and so they have such a good friendship and then Luke also has a friendship with Ira to some degree even though it's not as strong as Mm -hmm. Ira's and Sophia's but it's really nice um so I guess going back to Luke and Sophia like their story is um 
relatively simple of just them like introducing each other to their friends and she starts going to all of his rides yeah. and um he takes her to meet his mom at the farm uh i do laugh very hard every time when she's trying to be fun and flirting it's like let's race to the barn and then just immediately bails into a creek <laughs> it's, it's like how did you not see this sophia it's so funny it's such like a stereotypical like romance film when the girl is klutzy <laughs> i know she's like whose house will you know that i'm relatable <laughs> i laugh so hard at that because it like she beefed it so hard so hard i know and it's like it is like she just have to run through some brush but i was like how did you miss this it's 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 so funny she's trying to be cool and all these things and then just whiffs it completely <laughs> i love her also she well, that actress is in a lot of things right she was in a lot of things specifically like 2014 to 2016 where she was really like on the cusp of breaking into a-list okay um was she in Disney and then things? a lot of her i feel like she was in, in tomorrow okay that's where it's from yeah i was like i feel like yeah she was in a Disney and film. then she was in a lot of movies and a lot of tv shows in a short amount of time and then like all her tv shows got canceled after one season all of her movies were box office flops oh. um so she's still working she's still doing stuff i looked her up and now i can't remember but she's she's in things she's doing ah. stuff she's fine okay. um yeah, and so, but then it is this, like, we get some tension where her her boss and mentor in New York has to come to North Carolina to do an exhibit, and Sophia has to help her put it on, and she's very nervous about it, and it's, like, I was so nervous this entire scene, because Luke really wants to come to support her. He's like, you come to my rides, I'm going to come to your gallery exhibit, and he gets dressed up, like, he puts on a suit, there's no cowboy hat in sight, and I was like, okay, you're doing great. You're doing great, sweetheart. And he just puts his foot in his mouth. <gasps> so quickly it's so frustrating it's where he it's such he just makes a bad joke at her boss and sophia's i think absolutely right to be angry at him even though the boss laughs because she's like why did you think that was okay to say yeah do you want to see the joke i mean it's so terrible like it's just the thing is it's not funny he doesn't say it in a joking voice which is um the boss is like oh what do you think of the exhibit And he's like oh there's more bullshit here than where i work and i'm like that's not You, it's not funny. It's just like it's him being uncomfortable, and it's just so well such bad behavior. Uh, it's like Luke, get your shit together. See, this is the difference. Like if Ruth and Ira are a reflection of like Luke and Sophia, like this is the biggest difference between Luke and Ira is that like Ira like doesn't understand art either, but like supports Ruth and is excited about it. But like in here, like Luke just doesn't get it, and like. And shuts, and shuts down. down. And the thing is, like, yeah, there's some art I don't understand either. But the thing is, I would never bash someone who's really into it or loves it. And, like, there there's a price tag on He's like, how is it that much money? I also don't understand. But you know what? If it is, I, I agree with it because experts have put it at that value. And it's art. So, yeah, sure. Like, everything is subjective, buddy. Yeah. And so I, I wish there had been a scene where... Sophia had maybe acted, behaved badly at, like, a, a rodeo match where she mm. had something, said something really out of step, so it shows, like, they're both not quite in sync, because right now it makes her very, like, their one disagreement with his bull riding is that she thinks he should retire, which he should, so it's, like, puts her as, like, very much always in the right, yeah. which is fine. Like, it's, whatever, it's the narrative, but it's just, I'm glad she, I'm glad she does actually get mad at yes. him at the gallery, because he deserves it. Yes, and then so, they break up, and, um, he gets in like a big he goes and bull rides again and gets hurt again she is like oh my god like what is going on like she's debating whether or not to go to new york or not for this internship and but she's not with him anymore but she's kind of turning down the internship and it's a whole thing and another thing too is that she so she is supposed to go to new york just for a weekend to meet the gallery team and she skips it to take him home from the hospital and then gets mad at him when he says he won't quit bull riding because she's like i just gave up everything for you and he's like i didn't ask you to do that which is also yeah so i guess she does have her moment of like (laughs) ma'am communication is key um and i wrote down so there is a the scene where, like, he goes to the finale... The finale? Wow, Jenny. He goes to the, um, the finals of bull riding, and... Fun fact, that's not even the finals, I realized, because the finals are in Vegas, and he's in Tennessee, so that's, like... Oh. He has, like... It's, like, an emotional final, because he has to go against Rango, that's the bull that, yeah, comified him last mm. year. Um, 
but it's he does quit before the end of the season like he does retire before the world championships oh well like because he rides it and he does it well and then he gets excited and so happy and he looks in the crowd and like sophia's not there there. and i wrote down but was it worth it if she's not there huh huh bud was it worth it (laughs) was it worth it luke and no um (laughs) it's not I know, which is just, God, I'm a sap. But okay, also, we miss a very sad thing, which is Sophia's about to graduate, not about to graduate, but she's like in a lecture and she gets a call um, revealing that Ira has died. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then I do love Ira meddling from beyond oh, the grave. He loves love. Uh, I love he, that man. <laughs> it's so great. He's just so romantic. Who, who among us? Who among <laughs> us is not? Um, and uh, he invites he's auctioning his lawyer is auctioning off his you know rather a substantial art collection mm. um and uh it's a very exclusive private auction but ira made sure that sophia and luke would both get invitations which i love because a it's him matchmaking and b even if luke hadn't shown up and i'm very happy that he does mm-hmm. <laughs> uh it is just like a really good opportunity for sophia i appreciate that Ira's like i'm gonna give you this boost and introduce you to all these art people and get you into this very exclusive option so you can schmooze well right before that happened i had a thought like throughout the film i was like oh ira is going to give sophia the collection that's what I thought, like, as soon as, like, Ruth started, like, collecting art, I was like, oh, this is, this is what's going to happen. And then when it was like, oh, it's an art, it's going to be an auction, I was like, come on! You gotta just, but I guess, like, they've only known each other for, like, two months, but I was like, come on! For, like, two months. <laughs> but it is... Okay, so here we get into the finale of the film, which I legitimately think is one of the most satisfying third act twists in cinematic history. It is what sells this movie for me. I rewatched the ending again just this morning because it makes me bark like a seal. Um, okay, so she's at the auction. She realizes, like, she, like you know, she knows that Ira had this huge collection but did not realize the extent of it mm. until she's looking at the gallery catalog and is like, oh, my Lord. Um, and so she can't afford anything. She's just having a good time, mm-hmm. chilling. And then Luke shows up. Okay, also, so Luke rides Rango, and then he, he like, does a great job. He wins. Okay, also, sorry, <laughs> so many things. They, like, briefly tried it i feel like a ton of scenes get cut because apparently he has like a bull riding rival yeah yeah who's also up and coming and like there's no scenes with him until this match but it just keeps cutting to this guy's face and i'm like oh sorry actor all your scenes probably got cut there was like one scene um, in the very beginning but besides that there wasn't anything else i know but also this isn't even the name of the rival one of the other riders at the match was named ryan dirt eater <laughs> Which I thought was great. <laughs> Wait, is that the actor or the character's name? No, his character's okay. name because they're like the from North Carolina, from Tennessee, or wherever. Ryan Dirt Eater. I just I just need to check so I wasn't laughing at someone's like given name. <laughs> I know. I feel like Nicholas Sparks put that in and forgot to change it. He was like, I don't know, Ryan Dirt Eater. I guess. Yeah. Um, and then Luke wins, but he leaves before the winners are even announced. But I do just love, like, all of the sponsors are like, hey, we gotta talk. Great job, buddy. You're real. And he just starts <laughs> running away. It's so What good. a mood. Um, and he, and he runs to the auction and he shows up still in his bull riding gear. I'm like, bro, you are so sweaty right yes. now. I'm amazed they let you in. I'm happy they did for cinematic reasons. Yes. Um, because then the auction starts and... Uh, there's a beautiful intro that Ira has written, and then they're like, we've got this huge collection, but first up, we have a portrait of Ruth from Daniel, I don't remember Daniel's name. (laughs) Daniel, from Daniel. (laughs) Um, and all the fancy art collectors are like, uh, what is this? Mm. And I love, like, Sophia doesn't know Luke is there, Luke has just arrived and is, like, looking for her, and I just love... Like, the interaction, it's not even an interaction between the two of them, of, like, her looking around and being like, I can't even afford to pay $600 for a yeah. painting. and she, But she knows the emotional significance of this painting and is, like, devastated that no one is willing to, like, yeah. no one has known Ira enough to care about its worth. And I love, and it cuts to Scott Eastwood's face, to Luke's face, and you can just see him mouth the words, of Ruth. You could just see the puzzle pieces <laughs> coming together for him and then see Cecilia's face. So he buys the portrait yeah. to start her art collection, which is really nice. Yes. 
And then they go, and she sees him, because he bids on it, and he signs the title or the deed. I don't know how auctions work. I've never been to one. The best thing ever is that you see him signing it, and they're having this little moment, and then all of a sudden, slowly, chaos is happening behind them. (laughs) It's like that scene from Brooklyn Nine-Nine that has been memed many a time of Gina on her headphones while, like, fights and things are flying (laughs) in the background, is Luke is pouring his heart. He's like, I made the eight, and it didn't mean anything because you weren't there. The longest ride. Is this thing called life? Um, Yeah, yeah. And then you just see people screaming (laughs) in the background. Do you want to say the twist? Yeah, so the twist is that um, in the will, it says that the person who buys the portrait of Ruth, because that painting meant so much to him, that whoever bought that would get the entire collection. So Lucas now has like two hundred million dollars for a six hundred dollar painting. It's so and then you see all these people like, "What do you want for the Warhol? What do you want for this?" And he's just like, "I, I, I what? <laughs> What's happening?" I know. And Sophia's just like shifts into business lady mode, and she's like, "I got this." And like, just is like, "We got to get to the lawyer. We got to get to the lawyer." <laughs> and it's so chaotic and so funny as he real they realize what's happened. And it's just so satisfying of Ira being like, if I've taught these young folk, these young whippersnappers anything. Because I feel like... They'll know. That was on purpose. I feel like... Because at first I was like, oh god, like, why didn't he just give it to her in the first place? But I think him giving the invitations to them, knowing that they would go and knowing that they know the significance of it, that the chance of them buying it was pretty high. And so it's so much easier also for him to do Luke that. Luke doesn't know the significance. She knows yeah. it, but they've already broken up. So Luke doesn't. He just sees that it's important to her. So it's a moment of Luke being like, I don't understand this, but I know that you do. So, oh my God, I'm just realizing now it's a whole arc yeah. for Luke. Before he couldn't understand why she cared. Now he's like, it doesn't matter if I don't get it. She does. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. And it's great. And then so they open a museum... The... They don't even sell the collection. Okay. They just make a museum. But they must have sold some of them to be able to afford... Because I don't think grants and stuff give you that much money for art. Like, I don't need to know the answers. Also, they're wearing wedding rings at the end, so it's like a couple years down the line. Ah. So maybe they've like sold it to private collectors and they have it on loan. Anyways, they started a, they started a museum. The yeah. Booth and Ira Levinson Museum. And it's great. And it's so satisfying. Because they could... let Sophia can do her art and have her business and her passion of having probably the most pristine art collection in the country from like the type of collection that it was. And then, but they can stay with Luke in like the countryside as well. And it's, it's all about combining together. You're just, yeah, because it, it was never about New York for her. It was about art for her. So she, it wasn't about, I need to go to Manhattan. It was, I'm going to where I can pursue my interests. And then they make it possible for her to pursue that in North Carolina yeah. where her husband is. And It's nice, you guys. <laughs> this is the best Nicholas Sparks movie. And then forget the notebook. <laughs> and then they end with, like, r- jumping into a lake. And I just laughed so hard because, like, she jumps in first <laughs> and then, like, he jumps in second, and she's like, what took you so long? And in my head, I was like, okay, you had a dress on. You just, like, took it off so quickly. He had pants. He had boots. Give him a minute. Come on. I, oh, my God. I was laughing so hard, too, because he's just like, he's like, I'm wearing a button-up. I'm wearing a belt. He is going as fast as he can, Sophia. <laughs> yeah. This movie was fun. I, like, once I got past the bull riding, or I just, like, looked away from the whole bull riding aspect of, not, like, the significance of the plot, but just, like, the visuals of it. Um, yeah, this movie was really nice. I really enjoyed it. I don't know if I would, like, watch it a bunch of times again. I'll probably watch it again in my life. Um, but I haven't it w- seen, like, Nicholas Sparks or, like, the, this type of, like, romance film in a very long time. And it was very nice to see. I was nervous, because I know you're not, like, a straight-up romance person. Yes. So I was like, I was like, there is no other plot here. The plot is just two romances. Yeah. But I, I had an inkling that you would really enjoy the Ruth Ira plot. So yeah. I was like, I feel safe recommending <laughs> this because it is one that I just love. So I know that with my sheer enthusiasm, yeah. I will win you over. Because yes. this movie is so, just activates like a cozy response in my brain of like absolute comfort. Well, like it's also. And then also the Ruth Ira plot, it's really nice. And I'm getting better at getting 
more comfortable with romance stuff. So it's getting better. I'm I'm doing immersion therapy with <laughs> you. <laughs> exactly. Um, so no, I thought it was a really sweet movie. And yeah, I really liked the Ruth and Ira subplot. It was, I wouldn't even call it a subplot. I would just call it like, that was one plot. And then the other, Luke and Sophia was they're, another plot. They're dual track. It's not a subplot because it's not other. It is a plot, you know? Yeah. And it gets, I would say like it gets equal screen time. Exactly. And it was just, it was nice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so pleased you enjoyed it. I, I meant to check in with you before we started recording to double check how you mm. felt about it. And then we didn't. So as I started talking, I was like, uh-oh, 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 <laughs> alert, alert. What if she's like, this was bad. <laughs> then, you, then you didn't. And I felt relieved. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I know that during this movie, a lot of my notes I wrote, I think about five times. Oh no, it's cute. Like five times in my notes. So... It's really cute. Yeah. I want someone to take me to a lake and buy me barbecue and then start a campfire when I get a little cold. Oh, yeah. It's nice. My beloved Ruth. The happiness these paintings brought her was immeasurable. And sharing that happiness was the great privilege of my life. We celebrated, we achieved, we endured, we compromised. And above all, we loved. The true work of art was the longest ride Ruth and I shared. This thing called life. There's not a painting here I wouldn't trade in a heartbeat to hear her voice or see her smile. Just one more time. Okay, so for our activity today, we're moving along, <laughs> keeping things going. Um, uh, for our activity today, I decided to do a quiz for you. Yeah. Uh, because, as stated, neither of us are really Nicholas Sparks aficionados, but he, I feel like I would not enjoy meeting the man personally, but it is undeniable the impact he has had on the romance <laughs> novel industry. He's written, I believe, 21 Damn. titles. Uh, many of them have been turned into oh, movies. Many more of them have been optioned. Um, and they do follow a certain formula, yes. which is very appealing. So I have created, um, I should have come up with a name for this game, um... Nicholas Sparks or Spickless Narks. We'll okay. Call it. Uh, so I have. I was like, wait, what was how would that work? Okay. So I have. I we have three rounds, okay. and I'm going to read you um, from Amazon.com a brief plot description of three novels. Okay. That Nicholas Sparks has written, and one of them is one that I've just made up. So I want you to try and tell me which one is the real novel and which one is. From my dark, twisted mind. So you mind. could say t three of them, and one of them is real. Or one of them is fake. One of them is okay, fake. Okay, cool, 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 cool. One of them is fake. And we've got three rounds, and I tried to keep it relatively short. Nicholas Sparks is very wordy, okay. so. All right. All right. <clears throat> True Believer. As a science journalist with a regular column in Scientific American, Jeremy Marsh specializes in debunking the supernatural until he falls in love with Lexi Darnell, local librarian and granddaughter of the town psychic. Oh, wow. Next. Message in a bottle. Divorced and disillusioned, Teresa Osborne is jogging when she finds a bottle on the beach. Inside is a letter of love and longing to Catherine, signed simply Garrett. Challenged by the mystery and pulled by emotions she does not understand, Teresa begins a search for a man that will change her life. Okay. Early hours. After the unexpected death of her husband, new mother Mariah Collins finds herself taking on the challenges of raising an infant alone. When she and her newborn daughter are unable to sleep through the night, Mariah finds solace in taking them out each morning to watch the sunrise. There, she meets Ian Pacey, Wake County Hospital's newest doctor on his way home from the graveyard shift. In the early hours, while the rest of the town sleeps, two people begin to find friendship and love. Is the first one fake? The first one is a real novel. Oh god, it sounds so much like something you would create, is the thing. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I am probably going to read it. Um, okay, so, okay. So you've got Message in a Bottle uh, with the yeah. woman who finds a love letter on a beach, or Early Hours with the new mother See, who finds okay, a love Okay, so here's the thing. The second one sounds so much like a Nicholas Sparks film, but that makes it seem like something you would create to make me think it... Um, is the third one fake? 
The third one is Okay. <laughs> I was like, the second <laughs> one is so stapled. <laughs> I almost said Nicolas Cage. Wrong person, Nicolas <laughs> That's a very different vibe. <laughs> okay, okay. All right, um, so next round. Okay. The Rescue. When, whether confronted by raging fires or deadly accidents, volunteer fireman Taylor McAiden feels compelled to take terrifying risks to save lives. But there is one leap of faith Taylor can't bring himself to make. He can't fall in love. When a raging storm hits his small southern town, single mother Denise Holton's car skids off the road. When she awakens, her son is gone. And as the unlikely pair search for the missing boy, a connection starts to take root. So that one was the, the rescue. Next up, The Guardian. After her husband's death, Julie Berenson, a young widow with a faithful Great Dane, must decide between Richard, a handsome engineer, or Mike, her husband's best friend. But as new love blossom, jealousy turns deadly. Oh, God. (laughs) The Missing. For years, Detective Paul Traeger has buried himself in his work as a missing persons investigator for the Santa Clarita Police Department. When Claire Mathers, a young college student driving home from Santa Clarita to Boone Cove, North Carolina, goes missing on the road, Paul must team up with Sheriff Rachel Patrick to find her. As the pair head towards each other, and where Claire was last seen from opposite sides of the state, Paul and Rachel are inspired by one another's passion, drive, and determination to reunite a young girl with her family. Is the second one fake? The second one is real. <laughs> okay. Is the first one fake? The first one is also real. <laughs> oh, no! The fake one is the missing. Oh. oh man. God, I'm good. <laughs> Sometimes I just can't get over the names used. <laughs> They're so good. Okay. Next up. Oh. A long way from home. Jessie Taylor, a young woman recovering from a difficult divorce, decides to leave behind her small town of Wilmington, North Carolina, for the Florida coast. On a plane for the first time in her life, she is seated next to Alex Steele, a tempestuous photographer. At first annoyed by his seat partner's fear of flying, Alex is quickly charmed by Jessie's charm and determination, and before he knows it, he's agreed to be her unofficial tour guide to the Sunshine State. Jessie came to Florida to discover who she is when she's on her own. What happens when the first person she meets might just be the person she's been waiting for all her life? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, continue. The The best of me. In the spring of 1984, Amanda Collar and Dawson Cole fell deeply, irrevocably in love. From opposite sides of the tracks, their love for one another seemed to defy the realities of life in their small town. Now, 25 years later, Amanda and Dawson are summoned back home for the funeral of Tuck, their mentor who once gave shelter to their high school romance. Neither has lived life the way they imagined, and neither can forget the passionate first love that forever changed their lives. (laughs) (laughs) A bend in the road. Life seemed to end the day his wife was killed in a hit and run accident. <laughs> okay, wait, wait, we need to take a break for a second. We need to take a life seemed to end the day his wife was killed in a hit and run accident <laughs> I can't I'm sorry now he not only grieves for her and worries about their young son Jonah but he also longs to bring the unknown driver to justice then Miles meets Sarah Andrews Jonah's second grade teacher and soon the two lost souls find connection through one another and begin to fall in love but what neither realizes is that they are also bound together by a shocking secret Okay, well, we got through that, so I'm proud of us. <laughs> okay, um, is the first one fake? Yes, it is. Okay, okay. <laughs> the plane See, one I knew fake. it was fake because you're, you told me earlier that Nicholas... Oh my god, stop almost saying Nicholas Cage. <laughs> because you said Nicholas Sparks films always take place in, like, so South Carolina. Oh, yeah. And if they left, I was like, he doesn't know what Florida's like. <laughs> he doesn't know what's <laughs> happening there. That one is fake. Good. Good job, Mr. Policeman. I gave you all Thank the clues. 
I Nicholas Sparks call me. I just want to talk. I think I could really bring a lot to your new new works. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, these are always my favorite activities because I gotta do them more often. I've got a gift. It's so fun. <laughs> you really do. It's 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 fun to come up with scenarios that you gotta find the voice. You gotta find his voice. All right. Yeah. Um, so thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, <laughs> we really appreciate it. Uh, if you would like to do something even nicer for us, you can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes or your podcaster of choice. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, basically anywhere you're looking. You can also follow us on Twitter at HiHo Podcast, that's H-Y-H-O Podcast, or email us at HiHoPodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Tumblr at, you guessed it, HiHoPodcast at Tumblr.com. Uh, we also will be having our monthly uh, playlist coming out, or I guess it came out just a couple of days ago, beginning of March. Who knows what the theme will be? We don't right now, but you, listener, do, because it's already out. Thank you so yeah. much for listening again. We had a great time. Also, um, before I do my end thing, when does when is St. Patty's Day? I want to see if we should mention to watch that thing. If this it, episode will come up before or after. It will come out before. Oh, I guess, yeah. Okay, you can also, I did a thing. Emma did a thing. Um, because Emma did a thing. this podcast is coming out on March 2nd. Uh, and our next podcast episode will be out March 16th, which is the day after March 15th. <laughs> Which is, this is a very odd way to track time, is I will be featured on the Great American Pop Culture Quiz Show, which is a really fun trivia podcast uh, that I had a lot of fun doing. It was very stressful because I love being right on the internet. And while you, dear listener, know that I am, in fact, always right, it was contentious a little bit (laughs) while recording this. So I was very nervous, but I ended up having a lot of fun. So you can check that out at the Great American Pop Culture Quiz Show. Yes, please check that out. I'm very excited as well to listen to it. It's going to be fun. Um, and yes, yeah, so remember to like what you like, your opinion is valid. As long as it's the same as mine. <laughs>